Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to focus on outcomes, 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 what actually matters and the way it matters at the time it matters here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today, the 4th of May, and it is Thursday. And as always, it is another good day to focus on the issues that matter, medical freedom, energy, our future as sentient beings, it's all on the line. But when you turn on the news, you watch Fox, you watch Newsmax, you listen to your favorite conservative commentator, talk show host, radio host, do you feel like the swords are crossing? You know, that clink of the iron hitting the iron. Two cavalrymen charging each other, confronting the issues that matter in a timely fashion. Maybe on a few of them, But for the most part, no. Like we said yesterday, on the vaccine stuff, on Ukraine, on all the green energy stuff, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, you don't don't really see it. And even when they cover an issue here or there, it's from like the quasi-cultural standpoint because there's a certain flashpoint in society, which is important. But then it's never like, okay, so therefore, you control these legislatures, these governors, you have these primaries, boom, 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 let's go get it done. We have everything in this movement but that. But that's the most important thing. You need other things to it. You need a quasi-cultural movement to build the case, but we're not heading anywhere. And you think about the fact that for an entire generation, Fox News was the lead arbiter of conservative thought, outcomes, politics, primaries for at least 20, 25 years. That's what, I mean, they were the 800-pound gorilla in the room. And now everyone agrees they were frauds. Always too little, too late. Just like everyone's like, oh, McConnell's a problem. Yeah, we tried to warn you 15 years ago when we could have done something about it and preempted this. But even now, I'm not convinced necessarily that Fox is uh, on the outs. I, I, I don't think they're dead yet. You know, I think they're still going to play a big role and people will come crawling back then. But then you have Newsmax. Oh, so I'll turn on Newsmax. I challenge you to correct me if I'm wrong. But generally speaking, most of their hosts, you tune it on, turn it into it, they'll just be a little bit more emphatically pro-Trump and more emphatically like, but Biden and Biden sucks. But on the issues that actually matter, they're, they're, they're not doing this. And they'll have the same rhino idiots on to have the fake R versus D fight and do nothing about it. So we'll go through some of the issues in that vein. First, we'll start off with the vaccine. I, I didn't mean to do another show on it today because we really had some great information from our guests yesterday. But there's a couple of things that I need to um, get off the, off the table here. Right after we did yesterday's show, the FDA announced it approved GSK, Glasgow Smith Klein, 
it's a UK company, one of the big, you know, top 10 pharmaceutical companies, approved their RSV shot. RSV vaccine approved for the first time. And again, it sounds like, you know, in the past, this would have been some sort of like sciencey technology health news that very few people would focus on. And well, it still is treated that way. Except this is a bigger pro-life issue than abortion. You're going to now have every person over 60 who enters a doctor's office or a pharmacy. Are you up to date on this? And unlike the flu where people kind of live with and they know what it is, most people don't know what respiratory syncytial virus is. Now, if you say RSV, then I guess a few more people know what that is. But still, a lot of people don't. So it sounds very scary. And here we are. They just approved it. I mean, this is unbelievable. After all of the genocide we just went through, their own clinical trials show problems. You know Fauci just admitted in a paper three months ago that RSV shots cannot work, that we need new generation shots for respiratory viruses. We know RSV, there's no rationale for a vaccine. After all the risk, even the most minimal look at the damage and carnage and negative efficacy and every organ system damaged from the COVID shots, you take another respiratory virus and boom, in months they have another one out. And it would be one thing, oh, well, this is a pandemic, but no. And especially seniors is one thing, you know, the only cohort that is in danger are the people in the first year of their lives. But after that, you could, you could, I guess you can get it again, but it's never going to be serious. So anyone who's lived, you have partial immunity. And the notion that seniors die from RSV is just bizarre. You know, even the flu people die from at that age, but, but not really RSV. So this is a big deal. We warned you. You know, in case you thought I was just trying to alarm you, oh, it's down the corner, around the corner, down the pipeline, the next iteration before we've even done anything to restrain the subsidies, indemnification, government endorsement, and marketing, not just approval. But with the, you have to understand, it's not just approval. With that comes the fact that every organ of government will be saying, this is a big problem. And here's what is so devastating. To the extent RSV has become a little bit more of a problem than in the past, it is likely because of the COVID shots, because of the antigenic drift that you pump up the body for, you know, antibodies that aren't a good match. You make them more vulnerable. This is unbelievable. So here's everything you need to know about this RSV shot. So first off, let's just go over the fact that according to FDA briefing documents, well, no, let's 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 save that. I want I want to get to um, first the COVID vaccines. The Moderna trial for six to twenty three year olds found that within twenty eight days of the COVID shot, some respiratory tract related infections were reported with greater frequency in the mRNA twelve seventy three group compared to the placebo group. In terms of croup. RSV, and pneumonia. Events of croup were reported at 1.3% among the trial compared to 0.3% in the placebo. That, that's, that's, that's a fourfold increase. RSV was 0.8 to 0.5. 
and pneumonia was 0.2% compared to zero in the placebo group. Again, this is Moderna's own language from their trial, page 161 of the 6 to 23 month old. What about the 2 to 5 year old cohort? Page 126. Within 28 days after vaccination, some respiratory tract related infections were reported with greater frequency in the mRNA 1273 group than the placebo group. Events of pneumonia were reported by what was the number here? 0.3% and 0% in the, you know, trial and placebo recipients respectively. RSV was 0.4% in the trial, less than 0.1 in the placebo. So in other words, those young children that got the COVID shot were four times as likely to get the RSV, to get RSV within four weeks of the shot than the placebo group. This is their own contrived, manipulated data. And again, this is not just a textbook on paper, a study. In the real world, we all lived through this the last two years. First, the 20... 21 off-season summer, spring-summer RSV wave that we've never had in history. It was clearly from the vaccine. And then the more severe fall wave we had in 2022. So have you killed and have you inherited? They are, I mean, it is unbelievable. Nothing in conservative media is even touching this, going after this. I cannot think of a bigger pro-life issue. They kill people with the COVID shot, create more respiratory illnesses, and say, hey, you need more respiratory viruses that, uh, or vaccines that then kill more people. Six to 11-year-olds. And by the way, six to 11-year-olds are much less susceptible to RSV. It's, it's not common that they get it, or at least not before the COVID shots. Um, within 28 days, RSV was 0.3% in the... Um, trial group, and zero, not a single one, in the placebo, which is what you would expect. See, this is very jarring. And remember, we talked about this a lot. There's tons of media articles on this the last year and a half. RSV cases rummaging through schools. When I say school, I mean grade school. Fourth grade, sixth grade. Not, uh, you know, like playgroup. Two, three-year-olds. That doesn't make any sense. You literally have Moderna data and then immediately the real-world lived experience follows that paradigm. And then just general upper respiratory infections were 4% in the trial group and 2.5% in the placebo group. Um, 300% increase. Pfizer's children, and, and then says Moderna. Pfizer also on page 51 of their toddler vaccine, they reported adverse events in the trial group of RSV, um, bronchiolitis, pneumonia, gastroenteritis, and lower respiratory tract infection. Lower, not upper. It's more serious. So this is what they, they caused the RSV, and now they're going to give a dangerous shot that will go over that and then some other COVID news and move on to energy. But first, our sponsor today, after the data I'm, I'm about to present to you, um, you're going to want to think about life insurance. If you have a family like I do, a family of six, um, and you're the breadwinner, it's irresponsible. It's it's tough to think about it, but it's irresponsible not to prepare for sudden death, um, and there's a lot of that going on. The reality is, if you get it from work, I've, I've rarely found people that get enough life insurance. Sometimes it's only one-tenth of what you need. 
Um, so do what I did and go to policygenius.com slash Daniel. It's not an insurance company. They work for you. They're there to aggregate. Immediately, you type in what you want. They give you apples to apples comparison um, to shop for the lowest rates. Um, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start as, at just $25 per month for a million in coverage. A lot of people only get you know, 300000 500000 You should really get a million if you have kids. $25 a month, that's going to go up soon, but some options offer coverage in as little as a week, and a lot of them avoid these medical exams that people don't want to submit to, but a lot of them force it to you if you want lower rates. Here you get it without that. They have licensed agents who can help you find the best rates that fit your needs, so you could also you know speak to a live person. Again, they work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one or another. You know They make their money by aggregating it, uh, no added fees. They don't sell your personal details. That's why they have thousands of five-star ratings. So again, if you love your loved ones and you want to make sure they have a financial safety net, if God forbid something happens to you, head to policygenius.com slash Daniel. So GSK's was approved, and I would imagine Pfizer's version is going to be approved soon. And we talked about yesterday, Moderna has an mRNA RSV shot coming down the pipeline that openly causes 200 adverse events per one lying case saved and 10 serious adverse events. Um, and that's just their data. But anyway, um, GSK. So at the ASIP advisory committee hearing on this, was this was in March, I think, they admitted that the GSK shot can overstimulate the immune system which is why it is only used for the elderly and immunocompromised. Like, w w wait a minute. You're like, imagine you openly admit, like, hey, th buddy, this is a terrible shot, so we're only going to give it for the people who really need it. But that's a problem, because even the people who need it, what, so it doesn't overstimulate the senior's immune system? That's not a concern? Overstimulate, what do you think that means? Autoimmune, allergies, all sorts of things you can only begin to imagine. And again, this really raises questions about a lot of the historic vaccines, too, and the sudden rise in autism, allergies, all the things that relate to the immune system, autoimmune, you know, really it has nothing to do with that, that now you're admitting it does that, which is obvious. Everyone should realize that by now. It overstimulates your immune system. And again, unlike with COVID, it, RSV has already existed, so they have acquired immunity, and there's no evidence that seniors are in particular danger. If there's anyone, it would be infants. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. But the thing is, they have to start with seniors with everything. They couldn't start with infants. But that, that's the dishonesty here. Then, again, this is a new open paradigm. Oh, there's no rationale, negative efficacy, it kills people, and oh, the only reason it's circulating more is because of the previous shot we gave. Now we hear we're going to approve another one. And there is zero opposition. There's no cavalry. There's no swords crossing the swords. I am that sword, I guess. There's no. This is the biggest issue. GSK already had to pause its RSV trial for pregnant women. They had to pause it because of the safety problems. Now, I'm no rocket scientist, and I, I will admit I don't have an affirmative answer for the exact concoctions, but I think it is safe to posit an educated guess that the GSK formula for RSV for pregnant women and seniors is probably not very different, if different at all. 
Because, I mean, if anything, you wouldn't give a bigger dose to pregnant women, right? I mean, if anything, it would be smaller. So you're telling me something quite similar, if not identically the same. I have to confirm that. It had to be stopped. And as we well know, that's a pretty high threshold these days. According to Pharma Intelligence, it's a publication on, on this type of stuff. One death occurred in that trial. Attributed to acute disseminated encephalomyelitis 22 days after vaccination, considered by both the study investigator and FDA to potentially be related to the vaccine. That's unbelievable. So you take a similar one for a different cohort and you approve it. Now, the Pfizer shot hasn't been approved yet, but um, it likely will soon. Uh, the GSK one was approved unanimously by committee. The, the Pfizer one was 7-4, to four, so maybe they'll drag it out for a few more days or weeks. But according to the briefing documents, two people in the Pfizer RSV trial um, experienced Guillain-Barre, so the rate was 1 in 9,000, and that's pretty bad. But again, we already know it's underreported because we have, just in theirs, we have like 17,000 entries. Um, so... You multiply that, likely hundreds of thousands of people got Guillain-Barret from the COVID shot, and there's no reason to believe this won't do any different. Um, now, they they have a – and by the way, this is important. And, and another important thing I want you guys to understand, it's important to look in totality at the different trials – of the different cohorts of people, pregnant, older, middle-aged, children, and then across all the spectrum of makers, you know, GSK, Pfizer, Moderna, because they're all going to be, whether it's a different cohort, different maker, pretty much the same with slight differences. So when you start seeing problems in one, and they but they approve something for another, that's dishonest because you know the problem is going to persist. So they have 18 to 49-year-olds, which obviously they're one level behind. They're still in like phase one, phase two, or maybe they're at phase three now, but they have the results of phase one, phase two. 18 to 49-year-olds, there was one death among 164 participants, okay? <laughs> so that that's a small, because it's phase one, phase two, it's not phase three. That, so it's a small trial. What, you already got one death out of 164. And again, this is short term. This is just pretty much, maybe it was a one-year follow-up. Um, this is unbelievable. And then there's another question. Hannah El Sali, a microbiology professor at Baylor, is on the ASIP uh, committee, raised question about interference with the flu shot. I was left with the idea that there's interference, and whether we like it or not, this vaccine is going to be given in the fall around the time of the administration of the, of the flu. This is the whole point. Some of them even plan to make a combo shot, but for now, it's going to be, you go in, are you up on your flu shot? I mean, every time I go in, that's what they ask. So they're going to say, are you up on your flu shot? Are you up on your RSV shot? So there's questions of interference with the two. Now, this was said at the Pfizer hearing, but again, there's no reason to believe it wouldn't apply to the GSK one that they approved yesterday. Dr. Marie Griffin of Vanderbilt, she actually did vote against it for Pfizer. She raised the question of the, the efficacy data. In other words, the efficacy is all built on a fraud. Because how many seniors, I mean, th those of you who work in ERs, I know we have doctors listening to the show, how many seniors have had to go to the ER for, R for RSV? Much fewer than the flu. Again, the few people that do, it's infants. 
So how the hell do you do a trial on endpoints? Yeah, we we saw this throughout COVID and a lot of things. You know, it's just like, you know, when you had people that, um, you know, whether it's the COVID shots, whether it's ivermectin, whether it's Paxlovid, whether it's anything, you take a group of people that don't get clinically severely ill from something. It's hard to really have efficacy endpoints, and that's what she was raising. So, I mean, I wasn't even getting into that. That's just we know that's a fraud. This is a pro-life issue. Do you know 50, there's 56,000 excess deaths in the UK in the last 12 months? That's the equivalent of 280,000 in the US, and that's the last 12 months, which is very slow on the upkeep. Very few people got the shots. So you see the long-term effects kicking in. And again, that jives very well with if that's the last 12 months, you can imagine the first 16 months is likely going to be more than 280,000. As of a few months ago, we predicted that over half a million likely died in the U.S., so it could, that could easily be 600,000. But that, that's another data point that, based on extrapolation, again, jives with that rough estimate of maybe between five and 600,000 vaccine deaths. I mean, this is unreal, and they're building more respiratory viral, including mRNA and other technologies, on this, and there's zero movement in the Republican Party and conservative media to do anything about this. We're going to keep doing this. Everyone's like, Daniel, there's no way they're going to do this. They got caught. What? By like a handful of us raising cane about it? They're not scared. They're not scared whatsoever. Anyway, our other sponsor today. So I'm giving you self-defense for your body so you know what to do, but you need self-defense for yourself. Um, there's a lot of talk about this new George Floyd they're trying to make of this Jordan, uh, whatever his name is, guy, Jordan Neely, um, this guy in the subway. So, I mean, there are so many mentally ill, criminally insane, non-criminally insane career criminals that aren't locked up. And you are more likely than any time in history exponentially to be confronted with this. You know, not just a crime of of uh, opportunity, but just a crazy person that is, just wants to rip you apart, stab you, whatever. You have all these beatdowns taking place. You need to carry. You have the right to carry based on the court ruling now. That much we've succeeded. But now we have to take this to the next level and practice self-defense. That's what Patriot Academy's constitutional defense course does. If you go to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel, there's a number of dates for the rest of this month, June, July. Don't don't plan a trip based, a specific one based on me yet. I don't know. I am looking at possibly June 22nd, um, but you'll notice that there's a bunch of different courses there. Um, they will teach you. You will be confident walking the street, understanding that if I need to sweep my garment properly draw down on the five-point draw from the holster, properly win a gunfight, clear malfunctions without panicking in a timely fashion. It is fun. It is efficient. It is, the camaraderie is great. We get together, um, you know, the best people around from Patriot Academy's Constitution Coach class from this audience. Uh, again, it's um, it's discounted. Uh, you do have to pay for the ammo, obviously. That is the big cost in your arrangements. Um, I hope one day that they can get donors. Um, I know they are working on bulk orders. Uh, so, uh, you know, um, if you don't want to travel with it, you can you could purchase it from them on site. Um, you could also get a gun there if you don't have one. 
By the way, those of you who do fly, a lot of you think you can't fly with a gun. You absolutely can. You you just have to put in a locked case that you get your gun with, you know, one of those things with all, you know, combination locks and put it on top of your checked baggage. You can't bring it on the plane obviously. It's got to go in cargo. Um you you can't do uh quick ticketing. So you got to um, you got to go to you can't use a kiosk. You have to go to an agent, a ticket agent and say, "Hey, um, I have a flight, so they print out your ticket, and you say, by the way, I have a, a firearm to declare. They'll eventually ask you to open up your suitcase, fill out a card, and put it on top of the case. Sometimes they'll ask you to open it and put it in the case. And then, you know, sometimes that's done. They'll take it from you and you go. Some airports are a little bit stricter and say, hey, wait here 10 minutes. Some say, wait, you know, wait 10 minutes so we can get a TSA agent, and they walk it over to a special place where they put it through a machine. Either way, it's just a matter of leaving yourself an extra 10, 15 minutes to do it, um, but it's painless, and then you could fly with your gun. But anyway, sign up for one of these courses now. Don't feel like if you're a newbie, you have to have skills. They build you up within two, three days from scratch. Um, and often, if you have experience, you have bad experience with bad muscle memory and things that you shouldn't be doing. So don't be dissuaded. Those of you are like, oh, I never really handled a handgun. I only do hunting or rifles. And by the way, they will have rifle courses one day too. And those of you who did pass the original course, I believe June 22nd, they'll take the intermediate course, which will be a lot of fun for those of you who passed the first course. And I hope to take that. I've never taken that myself. So I might be there, but stay tuned. PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel. So just a couple more things on the vaccine. Number one, Moderna has a vaccine for birth defects. Cancer, heart, birth defects. There is no end to this. And again, if it's a stupid therapeutic, then it's like, all right, you know, then I'll work with my doctor. If I need it, you know, well, I'll understand it. But when it, when it's a vaccine, it's done preemptively with the entire population. And we have the machinery of government working with pharmacies, working with pharma, to get this in the hands of everyone, even before we have mandates. There's no enlightened consent. I cannot think of a bigger pro-life issue than this. This is straight up genocide in their own data after everything we experienced. And by the way, speaking of that, I want to plug amazing work by one of our listeners, Aaron Hertz. Uh, just it, it was phenomenal. I knew he was working on this, and he worked with... React 19, Trial Site News, and Cross TX that they created, um, and I'm going to mark this down here. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you could find it. A database of 3,400 peer-reviewed case reports citing adverse effects of, of the shots based on like 24 different categories of ailments of organ systems touching on every facet of your body so you could search it people are wondering like the hearing the eyes the this the that you know is i have this ailment my parents have this ailment is that from the shot what could i do um so they have it here at uh where is it it's it's at this cross tx website and i'll 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 mark it there so again we we have no, nothing there so now you might think all right daniel but for sure, for sure, on energy. Energy is something that, man, we have all, we're all united. All Republicans are pretty united. Now, the House Republicans have become more united on that. But as we've noted, almost every GOP governor 
is pushing solar, wind, ethanol, and carbon capture, and electric vehicles. And electric vehicles are the COVID vaccine of energy. They're the COVID vaccine of energy. You can't say I'm for an all-of-the-above approach. If government is saying, see, like this, normally you allow the free market to work. Hey, if, if this is a new technology that's efficient, safe, there's a rationale for it, it makes sense, the market will deal with it. But if on the back end, you have a number of logistical problems, cost problems, safety problems, the market will account for that. And like, okay, but how are you going to, I understand how you can get through the front door, but you're going to have all these problems. The depreciation of the the batteries, the depreciation of the cost of the car, the safety issues, the disposability, the charging stations, the cost of electricity, the electric grid. I mean, this is insane. None of that is factored into the cost of the car. But it doesn't have to be. Because if government can come in day ex machina, and say we're getting rid of, we're phasing out normal cars, and then they can monopolize the marketplace to signal that. So then, yeah, you'll force it by hook or by crook, just like the COVID shots. You have the ability to force something that prima facie is inefficient, unsafe, ineffective, negative effective, and destroy civilization. You've neutered and defanged all market forces that would naturally police that. So Republicans are like, oh, I'm okay with, you could have a gas-powered car. So the blue states will ban them, and the red states are like, you could have them, but we're going we're gonna to join with Biden and, and, and give all these subsidies to charging stations and this and that. You're going to contribute to the death of real cars. This is so important. So, so important. And I just wanted to share a couple of concerns with you that haven't been thought of. Electric cars, Delinda Est, they must be destroyed. That must be a litmus test with any Republican. Because what's going to happen is they take away our cars. We are left with nothing. And even if they subsidize electric cars up the wazoo and eventually make them affordable, which they're not, on the back end, they are unsustainable because the goal is not even electric cars. The goal is zero car. Now, while they're on their way to it, why not juice up your cronies? That is the end of our free- freedom of movement. That is the, the, the difference between America and Europe. I mean, the freedom of movement is so, so important. Axis reports that the 2023 GMC Hummer EV weighs more than 9,000 pounds. Just the battery case alone is 2,900 pounds, which is more than most compact cars, like a Honda Civic. So the battery of this Hummer EV weighs more. Has anyone ever thought about what that will do to roads, bridges, overpasses, and car garages? The weight-bearing concrete ratings that you're going to have, the cost that's going to go into that, the repairs, the initial building. What about, has anyone thought about the cost of fatalities in car crashes and pedestrian accidents? Right now, with um, you know, as much as we dump on medicine, one thing that has improved is trauma. Because that's biotech, that's surgery. Surgeries have improved. More people do survive. According to the National Bureau of Economic Research, the baseline fatality probability increases 47% for every 1,000 additional pounds of the vehicle. Again, either hitting a pedestrian, hitting another car with a passenger in it. 
Has anyone ever thought what that's going to do? If you got your, if the dog caught the car, pun intended, they are a bunch of dogs, and you succeeded in transferring all normal gas-powered cars to EVs, what would that do in terms of safety? The fatalities. What about parking garages? The UK Telegraph reports that the British Parking Association Structures Group is working on new recommendations for multi-floor parking garages that will require load-bearing for concrete floors to be able to hold 3 kilonewtons per square meter, which is a 20% increase on the current recommendations. Who's going to pay for that? That is a cost that is not included in any of this. What about the roads and bridges? And then, then obviously there's the charging stations, the upgrades to the electric grid, and the cost of electricity, which is already, thanks to the other green policies, now more expensive than even gasoline is. So off the bat, you're paying more upfront. You're not saving money. You're paying more. And they have all that infrastructure cost. And then there's another element here, which is the depreciation. So after, imagine you pay all that, oh, but now I'm sitting on gold, right? I'm sitting on an amazing thing. No. According to a new analysis from ChooseMyCar.com, the UK media reported on this, EVs on average will lose 51% of their value from 2020 to 2023 compared to 37% for normal vehicles. And in some genres of EVs, it's even more. The leftists aren't stupid. They know people can't afford this. But what Republicans are doing on this front is on the front end, they're giving enough subsidies and enough tailwinds to this that they're allowing it to get out of the gate even though in the long run it's unsustainable this is an action item we need every subsidy every single subsidy and regulation that helps evs needs to be extirpated from red state government number one number two there's a little bit more unrealistic but an ideal world if you had 20 DeSantis governors, you'd create a state compact where you telegraph to all the companies that are like, we're not selling, you know, all, we're ending normal vehicles by 2030, 2035 in the blue states. In our states, we're never ending them. And we're actually going to end electric vehicles unless you pay your own way. And you can come here and manufacture them. This is the type of thing we need to be talking about. I'm telling you, the energy agenda, which is our quality of life, it is the new COVID fascism. And the EV thing is one of the lead Trojan horses. This is so, so important. But you go around to these states and it's nothing. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's Texas, okay? The Public Utilities Commission told people to prepare for a new reality that they will not be able to meet demand in the summer for supply. That's because these jerk-offs, starting with Rick Perry and, and Greg Abbott and Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma, they made, at a terrible cost, 30% of their electric grid reliant upon solar and wind. How the hell are you in a state like Texas, rich with resources, and are like, we can't maintain our current standard of living. This is freaking Texas. There was a bill out there in the legislature to decrease the wind um, share of the grid. Of course, it went nowhere. No movement. 
on any major issue anywhere to support and push for righteous legislation on the issues that matter. And then this is from the TexasScorecard.com. They do good work on, on Texas legislature, by the way. So I applaud them for that. Now, this is not the biggest issue, but again, it's emblematic of, of where things are. When Democrat Texas State Rep Aaron Zwiner of Driftwood filed a measure to place the state of Texas under a mandatory climate action plan, many across the aisle cried foul. That will never happen in Texas. We're an oil and gas state. But the radical policies that came along with the Green New Deal-style climate action plan are being quietly chopped up and parsed out to various other lawmakers who aren't viewed as far left as Weiner. And they're sailing through the House Transportation Committee with barely a whimper of opposition from Republicans. Though Republicans hold a majority in the Texas House of 86 to 64, Democrats still chair significant committees. We talked a lot about this, including the House Transportation Committee. And that's because of Dade Phelan, the jerk-off speaker, that keeps getting reelected. While Austin's climate action plan includes intentional slowing of speeds for cars and traffic calming measures designed to restrict the free flow of auto lanes, such climate equity plans can also include increasing penalties on speeding and other aspects of driving, um, like prohibiting cars from passing pedestrians and cyclists without a specific distance or buffer, all these nanny state things. Houston's climate action plan also calls for slower speeds and other anti-car measures with the express intent of getting people out of their cars and into buses and bikes. And, and this, is, this is how they start with. See, conservatives are like, oh, we won't, Republicans are saying we won't support the Green New Deal. But they'll be groomed into supporting all these things that sound like they're not such a big deal that are designed to create this new reality. Cars are an ideal you know, make sure you have, you know, cyclists are, are, are supreme. EVs are better. No, you need to eschew that entire agenda. A steady flow of these bills, dubbed Vision Zero, has passed out of committee. Yes, there's a Democrat chair, but there's a Republican majority. HB 2224, one of the first bills to pass out, with the help of Republicans would give cities unilateral power to lower speed limits and highways down to 20 MPH. I mean, this is unbelievable. And, and, and folks, I want to give a shout-out to this guy, Will Chamberlain. He's an attorney on Twitter. He put the following out. The red state blueprint is pretty simple. One, strip as much power from local blue jurisdictions in your state and impose law and order, order on your blue cities. Two, deter progressive in-migration to your new utopian state. Now you tip in state with aggressive social conservatism. Name me the governor doing that. Well, there's one. Every other state is doing the opposite. Yes, we invite in Agenda 2030, all this stuff, and Houston and, and Dallas are horrible. Whereas if you watch in Florida, he's making inroads into um, Tampa and Jacksonville, and then even Miami and Palm Beach and even Broward. Flipped school boards. Flipped school boards in blue areas. In other states, we have liberal school boards in red areas. Even the Broward, Broward County is like the armpit of um, Florida. It's the worst jurisdiction by far. The school board voted to you know recognize National Prayer Day. It's not, not a big deal, but I'm just saying, historically, that would have never have happened in a place like that. Again, this man stands for the opposite of what every other Republican is doing. And it's not just Houston and 
Dallas, megacities. We're losing Oklahoma City. We're losing Tulsa. I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska, we've lost a long time ago. And Omaha, we lost a long time ago. Much smaller cities. Nashville's gone. Boise. Anchorage is long gone. You know what I'm saying? Small to mid-sized red states. If we're just relegated to a handful of rural counties within red states, we're done. You need to lean in. You need to ban COVID fascism, biomedical tyranny in blue cities, and the crime. I'm sick of hearing about the Houston crime. Houston is just as bad as New York. Where is the state legislature acting on this? See, at some point, we have to worry about outcomes. We might have certain ideals. Ideally, we'd like the executive not to do this, the legislature to do this. Ideally, we'd like local government, not that. And it's all true to an extent. But the overarching goal should be we will use whatever power we have within reason to achieve our goals. So yeah, if we're in a blue state, we'll try to fight back in red local areas. But if we have the state government, you better believe we're going to go after bad policies and violation of constitutional rights and civil rights and violation of social contract in blue, in, in blue cities. It used to be that there was a difference between blue cities and red states than blue cities and blue states. But now we've reached a point where the blue cities, mega cities, are just as bad. The mid-sized cities are getting lost. And the suburbs around the big cities in the red states are lost. So what do you have left? What do you have left? I mean, my point is, if conservative media and organizations were true to their stated goals, they have the ability in half the country to remake it in our image without interference from the media or the Democrat Party. I mean, they might yelp about it, but ultimately, they don't have the interference. But we don't have that because the Republican Party is the Uniparty. Why is it the Uniparty? Because the conservative movement and conservative media is fake and does not use their influence to hold them accountable. They never focus on what you can do. Every day, I see a big thing on illegal immigration, crime, energy, trannyism, um, obviously medical freedom, healthcare, you name it. What could we do in which locations with what leverage we have to get something done to move the ball forward on that? That is what I wake up every day doing. It seems like there's one governor that sure does that as much as anyone else has ever done. Why is that not the standard? Why is it that every day this guy is signing one bill after another? He's about to sign this doctor's conscience bill with, which bars discrimination in licensing board, medical boards, um, hospitals. So all these doctors now, if you work for a hospital and you speak, that is a license that you could speak at against the vaccine. Let's say you work for University of Florida hospital system. They cannot fire you. Um, based on you speaking out on social media. It spells out social media on you know political issues in general, but certainly medical issues. And then it's also right to conscience that you don't have to do treatment that you don't believe in. So like you know the, the castration and things like that. They're about to sign, sign the pronouns bill, saving female bathroom spaces and private spaces. One after another, one after another, it's like going to be a list of 50 bills. 
Now, you have one or two or three other red states here and there that one or two or three of these, they'll pass. But nowhere else do we have all of these. And in many of the red states, we have none of these. I I just don't understand. I don't want to hear about all day. This, This is what Newsmax is. Trump is great and Biden sucks. Okay, I get that. But what are you going to do about it? It's so subversive. And then while they're doing that coverage, they help promote all these other guys. Same thing on crime. Everyone's now united on crime. So hopefully with this Jordan Neely thing, it looks like so far the conservative media is not taking the bait and like, you better not create another George Floyd. It's got 40 arrests goes around beating people up. And I just want to deviate a little bit, talk about that. You know, we're always complaining how you have, um, you know, all over these mob beatings or if they're individuals just beating people and everyone gets out and films it and no one does anything. Where are the men? Where are the men? Well, here a Marine, former Marine, I guess when the Marines were still what they used to be, went and... uh you know, defended the people he was attacking and put an end to it. And I just want to say, one of the things they're talking about is, oh, it's such a shame he was mentally ill. It is a shame. It really is. But here's the deal. Some of the worst problems we have in crime now are from the criminally insane. It doesn't make them less dangerous. They're more dangerous. Now, if you want to say that that's an argument for not putting them in a traditional prison, but putting them in a mental asylum, that's fine. But the same liberals that are closing the prisons close the mental asylum. So you can't have nothing. you got to take them off the streets. And the big problem in New York and a lot of these cities now with the homelessness and drugs and mental illness is that, you know, in the past they were targeted crimes. So the reason why people didn't care is because most people who got killed and attacked were the Bloods versus the Crips. So bad guys versus bad guys. But what's happening now is they're not targeted or crimes of opportunities. With the mentally ill, all these videos you see on the streets of New York City shoving people on subways, senselessly beating people, a lot of them are these kind of like quasi-mentally ill homeless people. That is the biggest public danger. But again, with rare exceptions, I am not seeing a torrent of anti-crime bills. Mandatory minimums. You know, Florida just passed a bill mandating more um, pretrial holding for violent criminals. I'm not really seeing it in most states. I know there was a good mandatory minimum bill in Tennessee, but I don't know if it ever got passed. I have to check that up. Again, on issue after issue, we talk about it. Oh, the Democrats are all the crime in the blue cities. Yeah, but we have them in the red, in the, in the red state blue cities, too. So... Again, if you want talking points of how destructive the Democrats are, I mean, there's no lack of entertaining talking points. And that's the moral hazard with my colleagues. They don't care if they nominate Trump and Joe Biden crushes him and Joe Biden wins. Because frankly, they don't care if rhinos win in every red state that we could totally control without the Democrats, without having to go through this you know, ballot harvesting mail-in juggernaut that they created at a federal level. They don't care because they like commentating as an end to itself. And again, it's fine to commentate here and there. It's time to it's fine to talk about the profundity of certain quasi-cultural clashes. I understand that. I do myself. 
but it has to ultimately be directed towards an ends. But on the issues that matter in the way they actually matter where we could actually resolve them and move the ball forward, the conservative movement, conservative media is completely MIA. As much as we, even the issues that they kind of broach and talk about, but it still goes on. And still within the highest levels of Republican politics in the United States, not just some like fringe Republicans, but the core leadership Republicans still adopt things that conservative media claims that they're, that were done with, Ukraine or electric vehicles. In other words, most conservative media or all conservative media will agree with what I'm saying on electric vehicles. Pretty unanimous. But there's no effort to point that out. And again, we have this carbon capture issue where they are stealing land for a lie to build underground a bunch of pipelines that will store carbon forever. And again, that will facilitate the notion of of, um, Agenda 2030. Classic GOP. I don't think it's a responsible thing to transition to carbon neutral in this way. Instead, have gas and oil, but capture it. And you really think that, A, that that's feasible, and B, that that is somehow not going to even facilitate their agenda? All for a freaking lie. You know, the climate is very similar to the COVID vaccines. Remember how during the vaccines, it was like, if only they worked. But instead, they didn't work. They turbocharged COVID in 2021, so we suffered through more restrictions because COVID was proliferating more because of what they did. So here's the same thing. It's like we're sitting with this massive cold spell in May across, you know, large swaths of the country. And it's all, and yet they're, they're, you know, you can't get, well, you could still get heating, but it's very, heating is very expensive now in most parts of the country. I mean, our bill almost doubled. So you need to, I mean, we still have our heat on in the morning because it's in the 40s at night. You know, and this is mid-Atlantic. This is not New Hampshire or Minnesota. And, you know, very, very cold spring. I never remember anything like this. And yet we have to suffer through it because of the lies that of global warming. By the way, I mean, just this is a verifiable fact. The trend of higher temperatures was in the 90s and early 2000s. According to NOAA and NASA's own data, there has not been warming for 11 years. And that is the period with the most robust carbon output, so to speak. The whole thing is such a freaking lie. And yet, how many Republicans uproot the actual premise? None. None. It is truly... It's the same thing on the, on the debt ceiling. I like that we're... We're set up in the strongest position we've ever been to have a debt ceiling fight, to bring the nation, to finally take this to the brink and have the discussion. And mechanically, they're doing it. McCarthy's doing it, and I applaud him for it. But then you have to have the messaging. It's like the entire debate is, no, Biden's causing default. No, you're causing default. You're going to make us go over the cliff. Well, that's not the issue. The issue is... Look at the weaponization of government. You're spending trillions on electric vehicles, on destroying our quality of life, boxing out the middle income and the middle class, the working class. 
from the American dream, pricing them out of housing, pricing them out of cars, of energy, of goods and services that work, that people need and rely upon with your green energy agenda. That's the type of, just to pick one issue, that's the type of messaging you should be. We're going to raise the debt, not to invest in prosperity, like, I mean, that was the old Keynesian New Deal Democrat. This is so you will eat bugs, own nothing, live in 15-minute cities. In other words, the the Gingrich-era government shutdown fight was over Reagan conservatism versus kind of FDR- LBJ sorts of great society things. So on paper, that's a harder thing because Democrats are trying to say, look, we're going to help you. We're going to give you stuff. Even up to Obama's level. Even up to Obama's era. It was, remember the Obama phones? Free stuff. The catchphrase was free stuff. Now they've moved to, as as Steve Day said last, last week, terrific show we did together, moving from liberal and socialist to demonic. It's not licentious. Libertine, it's demonic. They're openly saying, we will take your stuff away. Now, I do think there's an element of Gen Z that's so brainwashed, they're even down for that level. But I think most people, if we attack it now, if you say, should we ban meat, ban cars, make it that you can't afford things, and you're going to live with no freedom, you know, I think we'll still win an election on that. That's what they're, we're going into debt to fund that. What is so hard? So debt ceiling, green energy, standard of living, freedom, life, Joseph Mengele poisoning us. These are just a few of the issues that I feel we don't have a smart movement calling for the right policies, messaging, legal strategy, legislative strategy. And then, of course, that will color the primaries both presidential, gubernatorial, and anything, well, if you don't care about that, you'll fall for stupid people if you fall for for stupid issues. That's kind of where we are. Compare today's show to anything you hear on Newsmax, and you'll see Newsmax is infinitely closer to Fox than they are to the truth. I wish it weren't true. I wish we had a new network that would come along and take their place. But we're going to continue having the same nonsense. And I guess, I guess it has to get worse. But I'm just telling you, if you wait much longer into this Agenda 2030 and everything that encompasses on freedom, food, fuel, surveillance, surveillance is a whole nother one. We could talk about the FISA court reauthorization, Patriot Act, spying on us at airports. I mean, a whole agenda we can go into. We need a presidential candidate to give voice to this now. Now. We can't wait two years. It'll be too late. You look at how much they accomplished. You you understand? They like doubled the number of of high school kids who identify as balls cutters in like two years. Look at what they did on medicine and surveillance and death. Millions of people they killed. Do you know how much they're going to continue to accomplish on the food and fuel agenda, the supply chain agenda? But I guess it's not bad enough. I guess we all love the vanity. Again, email me, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Which one is it? Which one is it? 
Does the base care about substance if you put it on their plate and inform them of it? It's just that they're not informed of it because of Newsmax and Fox and all of talk radio and these fake podcasters that are a bunch of losers, vapid, devoid of any substance? Or do they not care even if they knew about it? They just want the show. Which one is it? Is it that people, you know, they just don't know about this? They don't think about it? If you put steak on their ta- on their table, would they take it? Would they eat it? Or do they want the sugar? We might just find out very soon. Well, folks, that's about it for today. Email me again at danielhurwitz at startmail.com if you have any questions, concerns, comments, hate mail. Until tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.